Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to Good Ideas from your pals at Ideas Incorporated. My name is Brian Ringer. Uh, I call myself a wordsmith and big idea guy at Ideas Incorporated. And at Good Ideas, we're starting from the idea that credit unions do a lot of good in the world. And they're also a strong and sustainable business model. So we're exploring the good ideas, both inside and outside the credit union world, uh, that can do a lot of good while also being good business. Um, today, I have the privilege of speaking with, uh, I, I guess I call him a strategy guru, uh, Rich Jones. Um, Rich's consultancy uh, is leading to leadership, leading to number two leadership.com. And he works with community credit unions or community banks and credit unions all over the country. Uh, on high-level strategic planning, uh, leadership development, branding, and probably a lot more that I'm leaving out. Um, hello, Rich. Thanks for again. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being uh, here with me to, to try out this new idea. <laughs> well, well, thanks for having me, Brian. <laughs> and I should say that you know, in hindsight, I should have used you guys to come up with my with my name and my URL because leading to leadership is quite awkward when you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all the good, all the good dot coms are, are, are taken. So that can be hard. To... <laughs> yeah. There's a certain point. Well, you've got some brand equity in that. So just keep going. But That's uh, right. yeah. So something about guru could be in there. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> But one thing is like Rich and I are both pretty active bloggers, you know, in addition to, you know, in, in credit unions and credit union strategy and marketing and so forth. And we've kind of noticed some convergence of idea recently. And, and we've really had some really great discussions behind the scenes. Um, and one of the topics that we've gotten really interested in, and Rich has some really good articles recently on that you should go look at is, um, data, the, the importance of data to credit unions and the importance of getting good, clean data and making it a strategic imperative for the credit unions. Um, that's a huge topic. And one of the things I think we'll talk about today is it could be called data hygiene uh, or data integrity, uh, because that's something no matter where you are in that journey, whether you have a uh, a CDO's chief data officer in a whole department that serves everybody else in the whole organization, or whether you're just trying to figure out why all your email addresses are junk. Um, <laughs> wherever you are, you can kind of figure out, you can, you can get started with getting, at least get good clean data in your system so you can grow in that direction. And, um, and kind of my first question, Rich was, and this whole conversation is, I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to ask it anyway. How important is data to credit unions and community banks? Uh, well, finance is known data as being a, a critical element of their job since the beginning of credit unions or the beginning of financial services, for that matter, because finance relies on data to kind of make sure that, you know, cash in, cash out is all coming to a balance point. Um, but their, their view of data is pretty much around the financial relevance of the data. But data becomes increasingly critical for uh, people like in lending or people like in mortgage services or people like in marketing. And, and the reason it's so critical is because you can create significant efficiencies in the organization if you really understand what the data is telling you about 
how your organization is operating. You know, you know, you know, in marketing that, you know, if you have a bad list, it doesn't matter how good your offer is or how good your, you know, your collateral is, your creative. If the list is bad, it's not going to deliver anything. So how do you get the right list out of that data set, whether it's from core or your, your loan origination system or wherever that data exists, how do you get it out so it actually is telling you a story and begin, begin ask, answering questions that you have, like, uh, who is a good prospect for a deposit? You know, that's, that seems like a simple question, but data can kind of narrow that list down from the universe of your membership down to the critical few that are truly prospects for a deposit or uh, account. Yeah. And what, what I kind of like, um, and I think this is something, especially because, you know, everybody's heard the phrase big data and so forth. And now it, it, it's one of those things it's been in the marketing world for a long time, but now it seems to be getting more attention. You know, it's almost everything old is new again is what the way I look at it. You know, I, I worked with, uh, I worked with one of the first MCIFs in the country a long time ago an embarrassing long time ago. And, uh, <laughs> and it was remarkably effective, even as crude as it was, where we had, you know, monthly dumps and big tapes and, and we had endless arguments over what, what the word account means. Um, so it's, it's kind of coming to the forefront now that we've got processing power. And now that people are using that for growth, I mean, getting a handle on this and getting it right and getting good, clean data that you can use to make decisions, especially marketing decisions, growth decisions. I would say it's almost existential. Like you need to be getting a handle on this. And I mean, is that something, you know, that it, it needs to happen. You can't just fly by the seat of your pants for much longer. Right. Right. If you, if you look at a credit union today, uh, there's, there's typically four, data realities and and only one of them one of them probably (laughs) probably is truthful the the first data reality is what is the data saying that that may or may not be truthful depending on a few things that we can get into the second is what do i want the data to tell me the third is how can i manipulate the data to tell the story i want told and the fourth is what does the raw data out of a third-party software tell me that may not even be rel- relative to what your core is telling you because they, they don't talk the same language. They use different labels for the same data objects. So you've got four data stories. And, and if, if we are going to look at data as one of the credit union's most valuable assets, which it should be and considered to be, then we really need to find out what the truth around data is. And we need to get to that uh, and to use another kind of almost trite phrase, we need to get to that one source of truth. What, uh, what are the facts? Not the facts as I manipulated them, not the facts as I wish they were, but the facts as they truly are. How do we get to that point? And I think that's a critical piece that, every credit union needs to strive to get to. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that that's an easy journey because it isn't. 
a typical credit union of 500 million in assets, let's say, just to pull a number out of the hat, is going to have 40 or more data sources. How do you get all those data sources that have a different label for the same object to kind of connect together to tell a unified story about your membership or about your process? And, and until you get there, you're not going to really have a clear understanding of that total picture of member. You're not going to have a total understanding of your process efficiency and effectiveness. So to me, it is a very critical step in the journey that credit unions need to, to take on. I was recently working with a, uh, a large credit union on the East Coast to remain nameless. But what, one thing that they did that kind of threw me aback as, as we were putting together a data strategy was they said, well, yeah, we kind of reconcile things as if it doesn't balance, it's a timing error. <laughs> so everything, <laughs> everything was a timing error, which, yeah, okay, you know, you can get away with that for a little while. But let's, let's be honest. It's not always a timing error. You know, there, there are three, three ways that data can be out of sync. One data set with another data set. One is definition. How did you define that object? For example, what is a member? <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if yeah. you go in, if you go to a credit union, you probably experience this, Brian, you go to a credit union and ask three different departments what a member, how, what their member count is, you're going to get three different numbers because they have their own parameters on that definition of members. So if, if you don't have the same definition, you're going to get different data sets. The second one is what is, what is the logic in the query? that equal to, greater than, less than, those logic points when you're extracting data from a data set are going to really dictate the, the quality of the data. And if you have somebody that, that is using a slightly different logic, regardless of how minor it seems like, you're going to get a different result when you run that report. And the third truly is timing. <laughs> so there is some validity that, that timing, because, you know, look at your systems. If you've got 40 systems, they're all updating and appending to a central core system or whatever at different times. So if you run a report one hour later, it might tell a different story than what it told right now. Mm -hmm. So if two people are running the same report, and their timing is different, they're going to get different results. So how do you get all that put together so that there is, you know, the timing difference is mitigated, the query differences are mitigated, that logic inside the query, and the definitions that can be variables are mitigated. You know, I work with some credit unions, and they consider a home equity loan or a home equity line as a consumer loan, whereas another credit union calls it mm -hmm. a mortgage loan. Well, if, if, you're, if you're referring to it two different ways and you run a report on mortgage loans, you're going to get two different answers. So that the, the criticality of those three, three data uh, rules are absolutely essential before you can come to a uniform data set that you can truly trust. Yeah, I've seen... Um... 
another example, and we could probably tell war stories all day, but uh, another example that is often overlooked and is that um, uh, you can't always have live data, although that's kind of the ideal, I think. Um, but if you're pulling at month end, you're going to have, uh, I've, I've seen this happen where you have very, uh, you have very odd numbers because mm-hmm. um, there's a large employer that pays, uh, administ- that pays, I think they paid exempt employees twice a month and they paid uh, hourly employees every two weeks. And so you'd have these very odd fluctuations as direct deposits came in. If you only pulled your date on the last day of the month or the first day of the month, right? you'd be like, you would not get the true picture of what the deposits are, what loan balances are, delinquencies. None of that made any sense until (laughs) I, and the partial solution was to just kind of pick a random day where nobody was actually getting paid and everybody had had a few days to, it was very, (laughs) you got closer, but it was, it was fuzzy that you got closer, but, uh, yeah, things like that, uh, defining what constitutes a member, uh, is that an account number? Is it a social security number? What if that social security number has two account numbers or more? Right. And Um, is an account the same as a member? You right. Know, that, that's and, another, that's a, that's is. always a big conversation that we get yeah. into is, is uh, that, that definition. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, how do you define, uh, I remember we had to define account as something that could hold a, that could have a balance because mm-hmm. we first defined an account as something with a balance and well, how come we don't have, we're missing about a thousand credit cards. Oh, those are, those don't have a balance because they're zero. Right. That, that shows you really have to be careful and thoughtful about these things and think about all the weird uh, corner situations. And uh, there's a lot of confusion around that particular issue mm-hmm. alone because the, the, the credit unions have a tendency to interchange the word service and account. Yeah. And, and so having a definition that differentiates those two elements, I think is critically important. Like you said, an account should be anything that, it carries a balance or has the potential of carrying a balance. <laughs> yeah. A service is any tool or resource or application that allows you to access that, those balances in one way or another. It doesn't carry. So a lot of people call a debit card, for example, a product. A debit card, no, is more of a service. Now, it's an important service. I'll get you. But it is not truly a a product, it is exclusively a service because the only thing a debit card can do is access a balance. That's all it's good for. So I think those two definitions are critically important uh, to getting to some solution because a lot of credit unions have that measure um, as a goal of number of products per household. So clearly known what you're counting as a product is, is uh, critically important to get accurate measurements around that that particular and that's an important measure i mean the more everybody mm-hmm. knows the more products per household the stickier the member is the, you know the the less likely they are to to attrition to another financial institution so it is an important measure but let's measure the right things uh when we're doing that yeah and uh well um services per member was another one i've mm-hmm. seen uh, again everybody has a different definition of services and so forth. So it's, it's really, yeah, it can be, that can, 
that can lead to some amazing controversies, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, does it depend on how your credit union works, how your core works? Uh, you know, if you're, you, you know, how your data software, um, whether that's an MCIF or whether you call it something else, CRM, whatever. Um, that's the crit, that's kind of the criticality of those. Um, the follow-up question to that, are there standard definitions? I know you were involved in COFX, which is creating standards and so forth. Are there some standard definitions that people can use to work with to kind of go through and clean these up without all the debate? I, I don't think there, there, there are some, typically when we do data strategy work, we make some recommendations on, uh, uh, on some standards. And for example, a member is, um, a unique social security that's, you know, you take away all that, that underlying garbage that some people use, like, are they above par? Are they below par? Are they in collections? Strip that away. If, if they have a, a membership account, even though it's not funded right now, they are, and it's a unique social security, they are a member. So we do make some recommendations, but you come across some organizations and a, a really good example of that was um, uh, bank fund staff, federal credit union out of Washington, DC. You know, they, they're the bank for the international monetary exchange and the world bank that, you know, that's their field of membership exclusively. 60% of their members were non were alien uh, to the United States. In other words, they did not have, 60% of their membership did not have a social security number. So that definition wouldn't work for them. We had to come up with a brand new definition for them mm -hmm. to, to define members. So there is some flexibility there. I, the critical point on definitions is that everybody from the CLO to the CFO to the CMO, the whole leadership table is an agreement on the definition. Another one that's always thrown into question is inactive member. What is an inactive member, right? Yep. Most credit unions define inactive as they're about ready to go into a sheet with the state. In other words, the money is about ready to go away <laughs> and be possessed by the state if something doesn't happen. Well, that takes months and months and months to happen, right? Yeah. Is that really how you want to measure inactivity in your credit union? You know, to me, if somebody hasn't used their debit card on their checking account for a month, there's a probability that that's an inactive account. How long have you gone without at least oh, yeah. <laughs> doing something with your debit card in 30 days? I mean, you know, the average consumer does like 20 some transactions a month. If you haven't done any, chances are that you are inactive or at risk of becoming inactive. So what, what should that definition be from an operational standpoint, not necessarily from a compliance or legal standpoint. So there are some variations there that I think are, are justified. And just like the example we used with, with home equity, I don't care whether, care whether you call it a mortgage loan or a consumer loan. The point is everybody that's making decisions based upon data 
agrees to what it is, whether it's a mortgage loan or whether it's a consumer loan. So it, that, that that agreement be at the leadership table and then let that cascade down through the entire organization so that anybody that's reading a report knows exactly what they're reading and seeing. Yeah. Yeah, and one follow-up to that is, a cor- kind of a corollary to that is that is why it's important to that's why it's important to work with guys, you know, with people like you who've done this before and been done this journey before, uh, rather than, you know, the, try to make it up on your first time through. Right. Um, <laughs> that's cause there are, there, there are gotchas like zero balance accounts. And then there's a whole raft of issues, which we'll probably, you know, about business accounts, you know, so you've got a member who has two businesses plus a whole raft of family accounts <laughs> you know, you know, this, you're going to need to, you're going to, you're going to really be interested in that person, but you're also going to have a lot of trouble defining her unless you really have some good processes and know the Mm -hmm. gotchas and so forth as you go through. Um, yeah, that's a, I I think another lesson that we've learned and, and we've been doing this for eight years now, and we've done it for over 60 credit unions of, and, most of them have been, uh, we've, we've done a few with the credit unions under, uh, under a billion, some of them as low as 250 million, but most of them have been with billion dollar plus mm-hmm. credit unions and asset size. And, and it, it's, it's critically important that they kind of um, make data their number one priority at, in their strategic plan, because you know, if, if you don't have good data, you're not going to be able to track your strategies well. And, and having worked with that many credit unions, um, we, we've seen some, we've, I could tell you some interesting war stories that we've seen <laughs> in the way data has, has been used, not to the benefit of the organization, but to the benefit, uh, in some cases, of a strategic leader. It can get, it can get a little scary. Um, so, it, it is a critical point that we need to really take serious. Yeah. Yeah. Critical strategic plan. Well, and that kind of leads to, you had uh, an interesting article you published in June uh, and uh, on how smaller credit unions can build a data strategy. You know, you'd mentioned that it's kind of the bigger credit unions with a lot more resources that are paying attention to this. And, you know, how does a smaller credit union get started? Um, you know, we, um, there, there are a lot of credit unions in the middle, you know, and that, you know, 500 million and under, and you know, there's, there's only so much time in a day and so many people and so many hands. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you know, you, you kind of talked about that a little bit in this article mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and so forth. So what, what's a little bit about uh, how that process can work, well, how you well, modify it to still get good value. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one, one of the things is, you know, you can get too much data. So, so you have to be very selective, uh, especially with a credit union with, with uh, limited resources, uh, limited skill sets. It's critically important that they identify what are the most important data points that they really need to make sure are spot on. Uh, and, and I always tie that back to their strategic plan. What is it strategically you're trying to accomplish? 
for example, if, you're, if your strategic plan says we want to, we want to grow to 50,000 members by 2026 in five years, okay, understanding member behavior becomes a critical data point. So where do we get the best understanding of member behavior? And so, you know, you prioritize those data sources that hold a piece of that member's story uh, and, and you make a list. Of course, core is always first because that has all your transaction and balance information. <clears throat> you know, that, that's where it exists. Yeah. But then, but, but then if, if one of your strategies is you want those members to be borrowing members, you're going to really want to have a good insight into your uh, your loan origination systems, whether it's mortgage loans or whether it's consumer loans to understand what your members are doing and what, what are you capturing in that loan origination system that you can leverage for, for better engagement. You know, you look at a mortgage loan origination system or a consumer loan origination system. Most of them, they're two different systems in most credit unions. Yeah. You have balances held elsewhere. You have average income. You have, a, you have a wealth of information in there that if you can get your hands around that, you can, you can use that as a learning tool to understand who else in your community looks like this member that potentially has these kinds of balances at Wells Fargo, potentially has these kind of loans, at Nissan Credit Corp, who else? And you can do some, some lookalike marketing just by understanding who your best members are. And more importantly, who are your new members and why are they coming to you? So then you, so you, then you have to look at the, I would look at the origination system. What are you learning about that new member in that, that, uh, in that new member uh, application? And hopefully it's online. <laughs> and yeah, and how, can, how can you extract that information so that you can actually learn, you know, what, where they're from, what is their demographic, you know, what is their, their psychographic, you know, what about them? Can we look for other people like them out in the community for and start to market to them? So I, I start there. I start with a strategic plan and I look at those key elements of, what are giving you the data points that's going to help you drive that strategic plan forward and then prioritize those and, and make that list and then figure out, okay, how are we going to get that information into a centralized warehouse of some kind, whether it's, whether it's an MRM or, or a CRM, I don't, it, it doesn't matter, but it, all of that has to be centralized so that it's easily accessible and can be, you can take insights out of it. You can ask it questions and get answers to those questions. So that's, to me, that's, for a smaller credit union, that's where you start. And, and you know, it's just like marketing. You know, I once had a, a, a VP of, uh, of lending that said, well, you know, how come we're only sending out 2,000 offers for a car loan? We've got, we got 30,000 members. And I said, 
Well, (laughs) (laughs) not all 30,000 are prospects. (laughs) I'm just saying more is not better. And the same with data, more data is not better, but the data you have has to be, has to be right. Yeah. You know, and I've really found that that applies like focus on what's important. That really applies to whether you're talking about website analytics or whether you're talking about, you know, whatever you focus on some of the the things that are important and you can start getting a lot of value pretty quickly, uh, by, by getting that figured out. Um, one of the things, I think the key, the key point there is anchor, whatever you're doing with data, anchor it in your strategic plan, make sure that, that whatever you want from data, it's, it's, it's a tool to help you attain those strategic objectives, whatever they are. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Anchor to that and then pick, you know, start with what's most important and work mm-hmm. your way down the list. Um, just, you know, another war story. Why not? Um, <laughs> we long ago, not so far, not so far, long ago, not so far away, we found out we had a problem with our data on uh, how members qualified for membership. We, you know, what the, they're all, because we wanted to figure out how many were came in through this employer, how many came in through this one. So we can kind of figure out where's the most valuable place to, you know, a lot of decisions, where's the most valuable place to put a branch, where's the most, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we had like 30 segs at the time and we had something over 4,000 different uh, variations on how that was recorded. The most popular variation on recording eligibility was nothing. They just didn't do it. <laughs> didn't capture that. Um, so yeah, it was one of those things. So we had to, you know, we had to first make the decision, how important is this? And it's like, yeah, this is pretty important. Um, and we're never going to, we're never going to get this to hundred percent, but we'll get it as good as we can. So we did spend some, you know, we did some automated things, you know, if it had the the keyword in there, we would just automatically assign it this, that, and the other. And then, but that was, you know, that was important. Led us to do some surprising insights, um, and there was some, there were some things that were just kind of uh, lost forever because it was never really was captured. Um, and you know, you couldn't, you really didn't have anything to make a good guess on. We don't know right, how this right. this person they showed up. They're a member. They, they've been great. We just don't know how they got here. <laughs> just, right. And it, that that. Kind of one of my related questions was, and something you touched on is, um, for example, in loan origination systems, um, especially in 2020, we saw a lot of our credit union clients uh, switch systems uh, because they worked better online or they worked on mobile devices better um, because they interfaced with the core better, things like that. One of the reasons we didn't see, and I really think we should see is, um, and we've had complaints about this, is uh, we, we're we not getting data back out of this loan origination system mm-hmm. that we should be, or it's bad data. We don't know how many forms were abandoned. You know, that's a, that's a basic yeah. core right. stat. People go in and, you know, 20 people a day go in five apps drop out. What happened to them? What stage did they drop out at? That's an important metric. You know, it's right. more website based, but, um, well, but that's driven by data. I mean, if you yeah. have, if, if you know, if you know clearly on that loan origination system, that 
the milestones of that application, mm-hmm. all the steps they go through from from initiating it all the way through funding, and and you can put service level agreements inside of that, saying if, yeah. if this doesn't happen by this amount of time, then then you know I want an alert. Then you can almost not necessary, and it's not necessary that it be, but it can be almost real time. You can determine where there is a dysfunction in your process, whether it's whether it's the process that you adopted from a third party or the way you've customized the process to for some maybe legal compliance regulatory issue that may be real or imagined. But you know those data points are absolutely critical, especially in that loan origination. And it is even more critical in mortgage processing. You know, Rocket Mortgage isn't that much different than the average credit union mortgage department. The only difference is they change the expectation of the consumer. That if I go on my phone, I can just boom, 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 and I can get approved, you know, that fast. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of. You know, I mean, we we know the truth, but it's set an expectation. And if you, if your particular system is clunky and ask for, you know, well, you know, uh, get a, get a scan of your driver's license or, you know, there's all kinds of weird stuff, then you kind of are setting yourself up for failure. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you go to rocket mortgage and when they ask for a driver's license, they let you take a picture of it with your phone <laughs> yeah, and yeah. populate right now. Right. You know, and a lot of credit unions are now offering that service, but it changed the expectation. So, you know, that whole point in, in really being able to understand the process as it exists, not as you think it exists, not as you thought you designed it to exist, but how is the experience with the member actually from get to go. And like you said, if somebody, if consistently you say member after member or application after application, dropping out at a particular point, you need to know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You need to, you need to say, okay, what, what's happening here and, and find out what is that friction point that's causing them to lose interest or engagement right then. How do we yeah. fix that point? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and from what we've been hearing, you know, a lot of the, the, the common platforms don't yet offer that data. Like they're asking these questions and mm-hmm. just getting nothing out. And, you know, like you mentioned, that would need to be, that's kind of the next frontier. I think that will yeah. be the next thing. I mean, you know, Chase is doing this, you know, they are. And, uh, you know, Chase has all the data in the world, but, um, well, well, that's going to be with, part with, of your SLAs, you know. It's going to be yeah. part of the expectations. We're, we're going to get data about how the process is going, you know. And credit unions, you know, they, they see a new application, you know, and they get all excited about it, you know, be it a loan origination system or being a, uh, a bill pay or an online bank. They get all excited about it, and data becomes an afterthought. You know, if, if there's one thing that small credit unions can do, or any credit union for that matter, that would help their data journey 100% is make data, the acquisition of data out of that resource 
part of the original implementation process and not say, okay, we're getting all these canned reports, but they're coming in in PDF, you know, <laughs> or, or we got to go to this secure sign-on and how do we get that out so we can actually manipulate it so it makes sense to us and use it. So, yeah. you know, when you're going through a vendor search, yeah, look at all the cool tools and the functionality and all that stuff that you get excited about, but also make sure that data becomes that that entry point of conversation that say, okay, you're telling me you got all these reports. I want to make sure that all those reports get dumped into this place and I don't have to go out and spend thousands of mm -hmm. dollars a year just to access my own data. I don't want to have to pay for professional services to access my data. You know, a lot of these systems, core systems all the way through, feel that data is their data. They don't really see it as the credit union's data. So you got to make that. It's easy to get those kind of things done when they're when they're negotiating to sell you. <laughs> yeah. It's much more costly and complicated to get those things done after you've implemented. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the same principles apply. You have to have make sure you have the same definitions. You know, mm -hmm. you have to make sure you, you know, what do you do if it's a new member? What do you do if it's an existing member? What do you do if uh Dave and David are the same person or maybe they're not, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's kind of one of those things, you know, for, you know, first it was, let's get it online. And then it was, let's get it mobile. Uh, let's make sure it's accessible. That's, that's a big concern, uh, accessibility and so forth. But yeah, data has not had enough importance yet. And it right. should be the, it should be the primary, you know, like we need more, we need to make sure that information, we're not just getting whatever drops out the other end. We're getting a uh, vision into the process. Right. Um, and I, I'm not knocking salespeople, but I've been through a lot of these <laughs> vendor presentations and, you know, they'll, they'll, they do a really good job saying, okay, and here are all the canned reports and it's going to tell you everything you need to know. And they just kind of pass over that. And that's the end of that conversation that needs to become when I'm working with a credit union that has the resources and, and the, uh, the skill sets to do this, I actually recommend that on every new implementation of any software that the, the data person, whoever that is, is at the table for the sales and the integration conversations of that new application so mm -hmm. that that, that person can have a, an eye on the prize and that prize is, okay, what are we learning from this member in the data inside of this system that we have to know. Okay. Here's a, here's a loaded question for you. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about that data person and, you know, and again, at, at a, I think at a larger credit union or, you know, where we're headed is, that's going to be a core function, a C-level function, maybe even you have a CDO or whatever, whatever you call them. Um, you know, back in, back in the world, uh, 
like, does data belong to IT? A lot of people think it does. Or does data belong to marketing? <laughs> uh, it's computers, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what they argue about all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Who owns that? Yeah. Well, and the third element is, does it belong to IT? Yeah. Because right? IT is doing all the integrations and the one that has to do all the transporting data in and out. So, so you have three stakeholders that really want to own the data. And, and you know that they're what we look for in 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 data leadership in a in a credit union is number one we want a strategic leader and this it doesn't matter whether this person works in in is the cfo or the, the we, we've seen that the cio and the cto and the cmo we've even seen the chief lending officer as the strategic leader around data and the reason why we we picked that person is because number one, they have a holistic understanding of the business, not just a siloed understanding of the business, but they, they understand generally the business as a whole. They understand kind of the driving forces of lending and mortgages and finance. They, they're not experts, but they, they, they understand it enough. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that they have a passion or data. Data is, you know, every credit union has somebody that really likes data, really likes to get their hands in and, and manage the data and wants to see reports and, and understand reports. And they have to have that passion. But the strategic leader doesn't do a whole lot tactically with data. Their job is to make sure that data projects are being funded and data resources are being allocated. That's That really is their job. And then there's a, a tactical leader. And typically we see this at maybe a director, sometimes the VP level. And this is somebody who owns, clearly owns data for the organization. And it becomes a subset. It could be a subset of the, of the uh, marketing person, or it could be a mm -hmm. subset of the finance person. That doesn't matter. But in that role, they act lot, a lot like, as well, a good analogy would be they act like IT. IT, you know, has their own business unit, but they serve the entire organization. And like HR, HR has its own business, but they serve the entire organization. In mm -hmm. that role of data, their job is to serve the entire organization. And so what they want to do is they want to make sure that the the APIs are being built, the extracts are being done so that each of those business units are getting the data they need to actually be better at running their business. That's the job. And it, it doesn't have to be a separate one. Now, if you're in the, a $2 billion credit union, then lots of times we recommend a business intelligence unit. Oh, okay. And, and they, own, they own data and they serve the whole organization and there might be a, a business intelligence officer or, but there's always that, that tactical role of people that are making sure the APIs are getting done. The extracts are, are, are standardized. And, and the third element on that is the data governance thing. It's kind of where we started here a mm -hmm. little bit to make sure that data before it is, it is taken in and begin to get used has gone through a process of cleansing and normalization. 
Cleansing is to make sure that the data is accurate that it, when it's coming out of that third-party system or out of the core. The, the, uh, the other element that, of that, though, is that, that it has to be normalized, and that is taking all those labels, like account member, you know, that, that can kind of cross over each other, mm-hmm. kind of getting all those into sync so that regardless of what this system calls it, when it goes into this system or into this report, it means the same thing as what you defined it to me. It doesn't matter what they call it anymore. It's mm-hmm. now that element. If, it, if they call a member an account, when it goes into this report, it's now called a member. So that normalization of data is absolutely critical. And, and you know, those are two key points of, uh, of the data governance thing. So, so the kind of the hierarchy is you've got the, the strategic leader, and that could be, a, it doesn't matter. It's just an adjunct to what their normal job is. Then you got the tactical leader. That can either be a, you know, somebody who is assigned to really take care of the data, or it can be a subset of their job. And then you've got data governance. And data governance is best done with a committee of the key stakeholders. So if, if you look at if you look at the key stakeholders of data, you have marketing, lending, mortgages, branches, operations, finance. There may be a couple more in there, but those six absolutely are stakeholders in the data. And they're the ones that need to get together to make sure that those translations, that normalization is taking place and that the data that they're seeing is clean. I don't know about you, Brian, but I, I remember when we first started using data at Elevations Credit Union way back in the dark ages, um, before there was any, where people were talking data lakes and data warehouses and, all, you know, <laughs> yeah. and AI and all this stuff, you know, way back in the day, you know, if, if you're that business unit owner, there are, there are nine times out of 10 when you can look at a report and say, huh, this doesn't look right without, you know, without doing a deep dive. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why you want them in there. When, 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 when they see a report, they're the ones that are going to know, does this look like it's maybe close to the truth? Is it directionally accurate enough that we can make decisions on it? Those kinds of decisions. So that data governance. And what we found is the person leading that team is whoever it is that's, that's, you know, kind of making sure that the APIs and the, and all of that work, that technical work of getting data is, is actually in charge of that schedules, those meetings, puts out the agenda and, and has those conversations and negotiates uh, sometimes those differences. So it's, yeah. a, it's a key role. Yeah. It, and it is more often than I think people realize until they've been in, uh, hip deep in it, it is often a process of negotiation and really figuring out what something means and, and understanding how slippery sometimes that can be. Right. Yeah. That, that, and that's a, that's a key function and somebody has to cut the knot and sometimes and, yeah. <laughs> and make it happen, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you have to call in that strategic leader and say, we're kind of an impasse. Can you make a decision for us? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you need a hand with it. Uh, yeah. And uh, 
That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And also everything you described is not exclusive to large credit unions. You've talked about ways to scale that whole process up and down. So that's something I wanted to be real clear about is um, it is, it's one of those things, once you make it a priority at any size, you can make steps and make improvements and you'll start seeing benefits from that. Um, And, you know, and and credit unions, smaller credit unions, typically they'll have like their core vendor. And usually they won't have a lot of, they'll have, they'll have a lot of third parties, but they're all some way, you know, either owned by or already have a significant relationship with their core vendor. And, but what, what they have to understand is even though that, that loan origination system is owned by your core, it's an acquisition they made five years ago, the data isn't always integrated. So it, it, it doesn't yeah. matter, <laughs> you know, where, where you got that particular application or software chances are that there is an integration issue. There's a data governance issue. There is a data normalization issue that has to be dealt with if that data is going to translate so that you can use it organizationally. Yeah. It, it, it honestly can be learning to have awkward conversations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can be, why is it this way? Oh my, you know, and in their minds are like, Oh my gosh, we've got a hundred credit unions using this and no one's asked that before, you know, It's almost, you know, it's almost a, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it can be a new frontier and it can be kind of a new advantage uh, that's available up and down the scale. It's, you know, to start really digging into this and understanding what, what your members are doing and, and, and how to attract more members, how to get them to do more business with you, that kind of thing. So, well, the whole benefit of really getting your data clean, getting it right is that you can move those conversations, especially around strategy and around operations and around planning. You can move it away from, I think, to, well, here, here are all the indicators the data tells us. So how do we want to respond to those indicators? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how you want to shift the conversation because right now, you know, a lot of it is, well, I think we should do X. Well, okay, so why do you think that? You know, let's find out is we should buy this new application. Well, why do you think that? Is there a demand for it from the membership? If not, maybe we don't need to buy it now. We, we can't be Jobs, Stephen Jobs. We can't go out <laughs> and build something anticipating that the member is going to buy it. We, we pretty much have to, you know, the average credit union pretty much has to say, before I invest this money and this resource into this, mm-hmm. I want to make sure there's an appetite for it. Yeah. It's not, you know, innovation's great, but we can't be innovators like Stephen Jobs. It's just, it's not in our DNA. Yeah. I think there's a quote from Henry Ford that said, if he, if he had asked people what they wanted, they would have said, I just want a faster mm-hmm. horse. Yeah. And, right. it's, and, and it's a little bit like that. Uh, but yeah, it can also, yeah, it can be a real driver of innovation and priorities. And, um, and also, you know, feeding back into the strategic mission, you know, strategic, strategic imperatives of the credit union and which feed back into the mission. You can do more good for more people, the better yeah. your business runs. You know, it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not making decisions without soul. It's informing the soul that makes the decisions, you know, so that, that's a very, 
people are like, oh, we don't want to automatically. Well, no, you're still making decisions based on your, your imperatives, you know, but, um, and, and based on your, you know, based on your brand and your mission and so forth. Uh, but now you have even better information on it. Okay. Um, well, I think, yeah, it's about, uh, we're just about out of time here. Um, we covered a lot of territory, probably more than I intended, but that's, that's cool. <laughs> well, I'm a kind of a stream of consciousness guy, Brian. I yeah. You know, that, that's the fun thing about a conversation with Rich Jones. You'll, you'll you never know, but, uh, I, I think it, you know, like I said, I think one of the things I really have taken away that I didn't quite realize was this is available. This is accessible. This is something anybody at any size credit union, any size community bank can start getting a handle on and so forth. Uh, you know, obviously you need to get leadership on board at any level, but uh, it's something you can start with and start getting value from really quickly. I think. Um, and Rich, yeah, I really, and, and the way to realize that is just if you start have, seeing those conversations that are asking about why, why is it that way? Then it's telling you that you probably need to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's, I think, a key point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Th- this is, this is kind of a way forward uh, through that impasse and so forth. Okay. And um, yeah. And Rich, I really can't thank you enough for your time today. And it's really been a fun it's really been fun. Uh, I know we've been talking about data. Sounds like a geeky topic, but I've had a heck of a good time. And uh, we could probably talk about war stories all night here. But uh, um, and also, if anybody's listening, I wanted to, you know, Rich, Rich, uh, you can contact him through leading to number two leadership.com and uh, read his blog and get some good ideas. And you're also active on LinkedIn and other social media if people want to get to know you. Um, and uh, and also our blog, uh, we're mostly on credit union marketing, credit union websites and so forth, is at cuideas.com, c-u-i-d-i-z.com. Um, and our shared ideas blog is um, has a lot more uh, on this and many, many other topics over the years. Um, Rich, again, thank you very much for your time and I uh, hope we've Hope we can, uh, and thanks for letting us uh, start uh, good ideas with a bang with, uh, you know, with, with, with you, with your presence here. Appreciate it. Well, well, thanks a lot for having me, Brian, and make the rest of your week fantastic. All right. You too. Appreciate it. All right. All right.